Hello all, I'm Kira and I work in High Fives training and team development team. I'm joined today by Ryan who works in the Edge of Leadership team. And today we're going to be talking about ways in which we intentionally structure time that may be seen as unstructured. So Ryan, you got any thoughts off the bat? One of my favorite quotes, I have no idea who said it or where I saw it, but it was around, and I use it with staff all the time, is that part of what makes us great at our job is that we can make the organized seem improvised, and that's been sort of a mantra. So we put a lot of intentionality in, in what we want to do, where we want to go with our groups in terms of like what we hope they walk away from the experience with, but we're trying to create this like sense of adventure that like, oh, this is just happening. And so you have to have some improvision in there. Like I have a general direction. We like to start off by asking like what might seem as like strange questions. Like from someone on the outside, they might be like, that guy's really weird. The guy asked a group the other day, like, where do Pringles come from? And it's the, I, we do a lot with switching seats. And all of our students in the middle school, they know if I just say switch seats. So we're all just waiting for class to start. Someone was eating Pringles. And I was just like, switch seats if you've ever been curious where Pringles really come from. And like everybody kind of got up and moved. And I was like, so who has like a theory on where these things come from? And it started this really strange conversation. And then we just kind of like got into the problem solving activities from there. But it was just like kind of re-engaged everybody in class. Like we're having this like deep conversation about some strange thing that's like not really a chip. But it's pretty tasty and most of us like them. I don't know, do you like Pringles? I feel like it depends on the flavor of Pringles, but uh, like they make a good crunch. I'm into them. Yeah, but it's definitely not a chip, right? I think I would describe a Pringle as a chip. It must have been like like mashed up and then like reformed into that shape, though. I mean, definitely. Like, I think a chip would... is like you slice off a piece of potato and you fry it. Like a chip off the old block? <laughs> and the block is the potato? Yeah. <laughs> there's another thing we do in, in classes where we students will recognize those awkward silences and we're just like that's why we're here i love awkward silences i told the kids once i had a whole jaw i mean i had a whole cupboard full of awkward silence yeah do you pull them out or do you just collect the ones that are new they just open the jar and just like butt them out and there it is yeah but yeah i think you're trying to create a way you know, one of the things you, when we had talked about this podcast, it's like callbacks. Like, how do you get people back into it? And sometimes it's just like a, a like a snap of the fingers. It kind of like asking a question that, like, I do kind of care care about the where people think the chips come from, right? But it is like kind of irrelevant. And then it kind of comes back to like, what skills were we using to prove our point when we were trying to like? I'll bring that back to like, all right, folks. So this kind of energy that you're bringing to this conversation like in the end no one really cares where these chips are coming from it's not a skill or a piece of knowledge i need you to have but how do we take this level of like engagement in the conversation and bring it to more important subjects i don't know where that skill like how do you take a silly question that you really didn't think about but you just saw somebody eating chips and then try to like quickly make it relevant to skills you're trying to teach yeah well i think that's part of the improvisation that is facilitation, is taking those silly moments and making them impactful. Because they always happen. And there's experience that you have. You've done it before. At this point, you're probably comfortable with a variety of different activities or questions. 
yeah, so it's not the first, you know, you're not trying to think like, what activity am I going to do? How, how does this work? You're pretty comfortable there. So you can just have this conversation. And at this point, I'm comfortable and really understand what we're trying to teach in edge leadership, right? So like, how do we have conversations? How do we bring that energy into like something that's more important than chips? But yet we're finding that energy talking about like, right, what's the leadership skill of getting people engaged in a conversation, even if it's about chips, but the question's random. It's not like the question is originated from the theme. No. No, because whenever I try to plan the question, it's just like, eh, it just falls flat, right? When I write it down, I'm like, what am I going to ask today? It's going it, to, it's like, it has to like seem, so the other morning it just came out of, I was eating a burrito for breakfast. I had uh, a rushed morning, didn't really have a chance to eat anything. So I grabbed a frozen burrito and microwaved it in the <laughs> teacher's room, got to class, Kids were looking at me because they're in the circle and I'm like pulling apart my napkin and like, and it's like a bean and cheese burrito. It's not even a, a, a breakfast burrito. And so they're like, they like to tease. Ryan, are you eating a burrito for breakfast? And I was like, yeah. Because my mouth was full. And so then it turned into this like, it's like, all right, switch seats if you've ever eaten anything that you, that you feel falls outside of what's acceptable for breakfast. We moved and I said, what? And people were like, well, pizza. And it's like, well, I feel like pizza's on the fringe of like cold pizza, like that's kind of known, but like what else? And so, I mean, and people I think were just making stuff up because it was like a fruit roll up with egg. I was, no, but people were talking about spaghetti and meatballs and uh, steak and cheese subs like that they had had. And then for breakfast and other folks were like, oh, it's so heavy. And then other people were like, but bacon and eggs or pancakes isn't heavy. So as they shared and laughed and like, you know, everybody's like, ew, or like, oh, that sounds good. After there was like this energy around what's okay for breakfast, I brought it back to like breakfast is kind of a social construct. Like we grow up or at some point we're taught what's okay and what's not. And today we're getting into problem solving where real success is going to like, you're going to need that skill to think beyond that construct. Like how do you think beyond what you think is for breakfast? Like it's going to be different than breakfast, but like how do we really like... To be truly innovative and creative, we have to be able to like break through what we're told we can eat for breakfast to, to think of things new and create something new. And that's like huge in what we're talking about today. And then it, we just went right into the problem solving activity. Can I plan that? No, I could sit at my desk all day, you know, but some kid made fun of me for eating a burrito, you know, and it was like, it puts a little pressure on to like be like, ooh, but then it's like, you don't always have to start. Like some days we start with like, hey, last time we met, what were we working on? And that's okay too, but looking for those moments where you can, where nobody knew where the start actually began, right? You're just like, oh, we're in the midst of, of doing an activity. How did we get here? And it creates this like, re like people get really engaged in those mornings where we can, whether it's myself or uh, the folks on, on edge of leadership, like we, Chris or Sam, like any one of us that can create that energy, like it, it it just turns into a great morning, like their level of engagement, like we really want to do good, like it creates this intrinsic motivation within them. It's like, we are going to crush this challenge. You're like starting that playfulness before you even get into the activity. You can eat steak and cheese for breakfast and we will get the best time ever <laughs> on Mass Pass. <laughs> You're like, yeah, cool. It all connects. I, I think there's like other moments in the program that, is really intentional. And again, I'm speaking about edge of leadership, which I know like, and you can speak, I think, to some more of the day programming experiences. Edge of leadership, because it's in the school, we can sort of be repetitive with some things. Like when I say switch seats, they know what I'm talking about. I don't have to say, hey, we're going to play a game because I just met you a few minutes ago. 
one of the other things is snack times and down times. Like, again, we, we try to bring that same, like, sense of choice. It's not like everybody sit down. We're going to play this game while you eat. If there's side conversations or kids want to get up and play in the woods on the ropes course, like, that's okay. But, I mean, it's, years ago, it was like, you know, we don't need boundaries if we create a sense of fun, people will want to be where the fun's at, right? And so we do that, I think, really well in the ropes course is people start looking up and say, what are they laughing at? What's going on over there? What are they playing? And eventually it will draw in everybody and then we kind of jump back into what we want to do for the afternoon. Like games like push catch. It's one of my favorites. Learn that from Phil and use it all the time because the, the kids love it. They want to play it. And I just bring out the ball and they know, oh, that's the push catch ball from the shed. We start playing more and more kids, and eventually, within five, ten minutes, we'll have the whole entire class there. We play around, and then we say, okay, next thing we need to do is get back into harnesses or do a check-in on how is the morning for folks. But it just kind of brought people together. Here we are. I can't think of a time where I had to be like, where's other folks? Like, they might be using a restroom, but they come back, and they join us because we've made this, like, center of, like, ooh, I want to be there. Right. So how, because you have these activities that folks already know and are already excited about, you don't have to do like a quiet coyote or a snaps to come back. Like you already have that energy built up that they're. Yeah. You don't need to quiet at all. You just kind of take it off and get rowdy and they're like, oh. But I think again, that's like, I mean, I think you could do it in a variety of settings. I think it works well for us because our students sort of already recognize the visual of what that ball is and like, oh. Or just like, all right, and kids just like, can I play? Can I play? Yeah, come on in. It sort of has that like playground, schoolyard feel of like opting into this game. And other people will sort of sit and watch, but they're still there. It's like, all right, let's make room for everybody. We'll like circle back up because we're going to, you know, jump back into where we were. Could be a bit different with Edge of Leadership than with like a single day program because you're gonna have to teach those games prior to getting that excitement for them. Like in your day, you're gonna have to make time so that students have that connection to come back into it. And I'm reminded of it when there's a new teacher, like a first year teacher that there's been turnover and they're kind of like looking at us like, what's going on? Why are we not, and I'm like, oh, but like our teachers we've worked with some, you know, eight, nine years now or more, like they know what we're doing. They've come to realize and value that like, that there is flow and we do, we are moving things along, even though it seems like there's a whole lot of choice or we're just like sitting back for a moment. You know, that playing push catch is, you know, an intentional breakup of the energy and refocus. And But yeah, so we have a variety of, again, posing questions during snack time or lunch. Like we play a lot of games. And I don't think people realize that we're continuously programming throughout lunch. Are those like like riddles or like the same sort of like question like with the chips it's a, any of those things it's like because one of the big goals is to create conversation and the skills of conversation to engage in like the joy of meal times together and so we're not trying to like overly schedule that as as time but we may but you're getting outcomes out of it like yeah building community we're getting outcomes out of it you, you know everything we had a teacher once that introduced us to a game where you couldn't say like um you had to talk through and like it was like ums or like if it wasn't yeah relevant. those space holder words <laughs> yeah. that folks have so there was a variety of those and like he challenged somebody to do it and timed them and everybody else is eating and sort of watching so it's like one person and then we're like oh you know, or like, oh, can you do it for a minute, like 60 seconds? So 
and then everybody wants to do it. Everyone's really engaged. They're invested in watching and in rooting for folks. So it does become this event, but it gives us time to sort of eat yeah. and talk or or asking a question. You know, it could be like, where's the furthest somebody's traveled to or the strangest place they visited or, you know, I don't know. I tend to ask like bizarre questions, but like any, you can ask any, any question and get people through into that conversation and they want to share. Yeah. People going in and showing like they're like, little tricks they can do like bending a thumb a weird way which is like i struggle with during meal time so i'm like oh god stop doing that <laughs> shouldn't like i am not double jointed in the summertime in our high school program a couple of years now students have recognized that i have a behavior when i want to bring people back together i say okay so <laughs> and they've responded with like "Ooh, he okay sewed that means it's time to get back you gotta go back yeah and now it's like i can hear it Every single time I say it, I'm like, oh, I do say that. I think I say that too, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, it's or like it's I challenge like... people out there like listening, like what is it that you say that people like, it's an audio cue to like, oh, it's time. But I'm like, okay, so folks. And, I think mine, like, all right, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I like try to listen to what it is that people say. But yeah, I remember that one, one year or the high school was like, ooh, he okay sewed. It's time to get back. <laughs> It's like, yeah. wait, what? And they're like, you say that all the time. Yeah. And I think that might be a difference too. Like I could, all right, folks, in a one-day program and people aren't going to notice. No. But if you're getting together daily for a while, yeah, folks are going to be like, ooh, it's time to go. Or, you know, I think one of the cool things about the Edge of Leadership is that I get to co-lead with two people like every time, right? Yeah. And so you really start to observe those little things that probably don't notice. Uh, or don't get noticed about yourself or others because you're you're not working. Yeah, you're not working in a co-lead situation, but we're the three of us in the classroom. Yeah, so you have that observation time of each other. Yeah, and you start seeing like, oh, this is how you like move. Like, or I could tell that you're getting like a little bit nervous or like questioning, is this working? It's like all those little pieces in there, like what people say to bring the group back, you know, to, to focus again. But again, I, I go back to, I think it's, uh, I love to create, and I think try to bring that into edge of leadership and help staff with that skill. It's not necessary, but I like to create this sort of sense of like, this is just happening. Mm -hmm. And like, you're just here. And like, and when I was doing more training work, and I, I, I saw this when I was, when I was with Project Adventure and doing training for them, and then here at High Five, from a variety of staff is, you know, participants are like, is this the best group ever? Like they feel like this experience could only I mean, have happened. even with like students. Sure, yeah. And I, it, that, I've always tried to bring that more into my student work when I was like, oh, I loved training, but I really want to take what I've learned in training and go back to doing work with students. Yeah. And now I've been lucky enough to be part of this edge of leadership piece where I can do that. And like, that was a thing of like, I just remember those workshops, everybody's just like, Oh, we just like the best group you ever had. Like this is amazing. Yeah. Like they, there was this sense of like it just happened, and it's like, do you know how much planning goes into this? And like, you know, it. I don't want to spoil that for anybody, but like right. that magic happens with most workshops. It's slightly different because you get different people, but so then bringing that back into the classroom as well, where folks just think like, this has got to be a one-off class <laughs> experience. Yeah. And I feel like I feel that too. It's not like I'm like, ooh, I've tricked you. You know, it's like right. I enjoy that, that they all feel uniquely different. If I'm hearing what you're saying 
correctly, like all that training that goes into it allows you more freedom to like be authentic and to change it up in the moment because you've got like ideas going on for, okay, what else could we do? Yeah. And I think that's why we spend a lot of time in Edge Leadership really trying to create a framework that isn't like, here's the curriculum. Hmm. Or here's the games. This, here's the games, and here's the questions to ask. Yeah. Right? We were really intentional about that. But now that we sort of say, okay, it's about leadership, and then underneath leadership, we have these themes, and then we have these units, and then it gives our team just, we come up with some really cool stuff, activities, and twists on activities, and, and new ideas and products, because we're allowed that room to say, like, what would be a really cool way to make this point to talk about, like, our responsibility when it comes to being trustworthy in the classroom, right? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. And we could change things up and think about questions. It's like, oh, that actually gets it. Okay, here we go. And then we're sort of off and running. And it does create that that sense of, like, this is happening in the moment and it was unplanned and it's just really cool to be a part of. And I know, Ryan, I've heard you talk about some of the best like innovation can come from students creating their own activities. Like how does that play into this intentionally unstructured structures when they're doing that? I mean, it, it, uh, so quick side story. My role has changed here within high five several times. And I remember saying like, Oh, I really want to like do this more of the creative stuff. So I kind of stepped out of the classroom, but then I found myself in my office without a whole lot of good ideas, right? But, or inspiration. Or inspiration, really. Because it, when I looked back at the process, it's like everything came from putting something together for a workshop or for a class uh, or came out of playing around with students. And this year in particular, there's been a lot of, we bring that same sense to like, hey, I've never tried this before. Are you all interested in trying something that may or may not work. And of course, students are like, yes. Like, of course I want to. And then they get to own it. We've done it with teachers and they get so excited. So that in itself, like being creative, it brings right everybody into that. Like this is happening. It's only happening to us. And then as the more I've done that, the more amazing feedback about how the experience went I get from students. Well, maybe you should try this. Or it was like, oh, that, wow, yes. Well, you know, this part was really hard. I don't know if you need to say that. And these are like 10-year-olds. We were giving like really good insight on activities. That's great. And we did a ton of new stuff this year and we're able to like bring that excitement in. Like, hey, we've never done this before. You know, Phil and I do a workshop. We have done several times uh, workshops for the symposium called We've Never Done This Before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we've just said, hey, we've had this idea or we've talked about this or this was in my notes, but I've never seen it. Do you want to try this? And like, let's make tweaks to the like rules. See where it goes. Yeah, see where it goes. And people really get engaged with it. And then, like, debriefing's really easy because they're sharing, like, they're their evaluation. In the, the moment. Yeah. Like, this would work. Or we could talk about this with this activity. Or this kind of brings this up for me. I feel like one of the the times where it can be hard to have that seem like it's happening for the first time with folks can be in that debriefing. Like, it seems like there's a lot of push for, like, I'm going to ask this question and these are the answers I'm hoping to get so that we get to the outcomes I've been told that the group is hoping for. And I guess I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on like how to keep that more fresh and more in the moment. Yeah, I think debriefing, reflection, whatever words we want to use around that. Yeah, It's always been a thing people have questions when I was a trainer that's like, we want more of this. 
Yeah. And it was hard to say, like, do you want more activities that make it easier, like more props? Or do you want, like, more techniques and how to get people to be more reflective and pull meaning out of things or combinate? Like, what is it that we're looking for? But debriefs in general seem to reflection. Things seem to be the hardest. Within, within the work that we're doing, I think I sort of got rid of where, like, a, a conception of, like, where it needed to be. This sort of ad- adventure wave of, like, brief. You know, you're doing the experience and debrief and all that, which was really good in the beginning because that was like the framework I needed. Right. When you're first starting out, right, absolutely super like, helpful. Yeah, being nice and clear like that. And, it, you know, as I got more experience and started to see opportunities that I felt like I was missing to really dive into something in the middle of an activity. And then I just just was like, no, we can we're going to do this. Right. Like you're halfway through and you're like, wow, this doesn't seem to be working. Do you right. agree? And the yeah. group's like, yeah, it's not working. Like that's part of that process. Right. I'm noticing that there are some high energy emotions. How, like, let's just pause for a minute. Let's address them. Right. What, what's going on? Great. Do we see some solutions to some of these issues? I did a workshop once called, like, if you want people to talk, then give them something to talk about or something like that. Yep. It was really about, like, really pushing the envelope on sort of like, I remember using uh, card prediction, you know, instead of it being about consensus, which I had normally, that's how I'd been introduced to it. The group's going to decide what card's not going to be next. This was looking right at you and saying like, okay, we've gotten through like 10 people. That's that's almost all the way around the circle. You're up next. It's all on you. What's the next card? And you're creating some anxiety. And then you're asking people like, who else feels nervous? For that person. For that person. Oh, there's some empathy there. Like, how are we showing up to support that person? Because people, the group will turn on me. Right? They'd be like, don't listen to him. He's just trying to psych you out. It's fine if you're wrong. There's no skill. Like they're comforting. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And they're getting like almost angry. Or sometimes groups are just, they're not nice. And they're like, yeah, don't mess it up. And they join me. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not where we're going. But here. great stuff to talk about but either. Great right? stuff to talk about. Like, so what's the risk taking like uh, in this organization or in this group? But, you know, in the end of the workshop, like at the end of that activity, there was so much of it and a person got it wrong like twice in a row. So the group was so protective and they were like so against me. And it came back the third time and I was like, so you've really kind of messed this up twice. Like I can't imagine the feelings you might be having right now. And like people were like, just stop. And so they got into this conversation about like pressure and like who's putting that on and is it management, is it this? Like how they would use it, I wouldn't use Yeah. You know, and then I, I just paused them out and I said, I just want to go back to what was the name of this workshop? And somebody said it. And I said, and what are you all doing with great passion right now? And they're like, oh, uh-huh, mic drop, I get it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but there was really good conversation that I really didn't have to facilitate other than I was just like, and that's like using one, like provoking a little bit. It's not like I just walk in and provoke groups and be like, oh, you're talking. And which is so like refreshing for folks if they've just been in like, and now we're talking about this question. And how do you feel? Yeah, I would do an activity, like a low element or whatever it be. And at the end, I'd be like, all right, so what happened? And I'd just go through that. And so what does it tell us about us? It, it, just, it just wasn't the depth in which I wanted to go. you know. But when I said, today, we're going to do this element or this challenge. And I'm really hoping we're inviting you as participants to really be aware of the facial expressions the emotional expressions that we bring into this activity. Because later I want to have a conversation about what did you notice about how we interacted with each other? And we'll measure success on, did we feel good about how we interacted with each other? 
or did we not feel good? It won't be about whether we accomplished the task, right? So I'm giving more framing around what I'm hoping people to pay attention to. They might learn other things. It may go a different way. But later, my debrief is rather than being like, so what happened? You know, or I'm pausing in the middle and saying, hey, I remember I had asked you to like pay attention. What are you seeing right now? I'm watching, I've watched like two people disappear, like step out of it. I see that's like a lot of frowny faces and like stern looks and tones are raising. So what is the, what, what, what are we keying into about, what is it telling us? Well, things aren't working. We're not listening. Or in the end, like, was a, I asked you all to think about like how we interacted with each other. How, how would you answer if I was to ask that question? Like, wh- how would you describe it and report back yeah. what you saw? So again, being up front, like, I kind of hope you talk about this or you, <laughs> at the end, right? Then they're going to think about it versus where I just kind of in the beginning, especially like right out of school instructor days, it was mm-hmm. always just like we do it and so much stuff would happen. And then I would, I would throw, like, I would see something I want to talk about, but instead of naming that, it'd be like, so what happened? And then somebody went off in a different direction. I'm like, oh. You're I, like, yeah, that happened yeah, too. Yeah, great. What else? Oh, yeah, that's completely different. Okay. And and sometimes that's good. I still ask that question sometimes, like even yeah. when it's obvious. So I'm like, so what happened? And they're like, ah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like you would never use that question. But again, being intentional, it, it seems like I think they forget that. And it just seems like, oh, this happened. And now we're just asking these obvious questions or having this conversation. But but students get used to it. Like they start to gain reflective practices where I don't even really have to do anything sort of frame. Like today we're going to look at trust and we're going to do that through some activities. And I want to think about trust in terms of what are you responsible and accountable for in your role and how we work together in the classroom. And then later, like I, I remember doing an activity once just for fun and it became like, you can't do that. It was at the end of the year. We were just having fun and a student's like, so what was the point? And I was like, excuse me? This fifth grader, what was the point? We just threw fleece balls at each other and ran around. I'm not sure. And I was like, it was just for fun. And they were like, oh, no, no. So did they come up with a point? Well, yeah, that's I try to. Yeah. They're too smart for that, though. And I'm like, well, what do you think the point was? And they're like, I think the point was you didn't have a point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the framing can sometimes lead to. Yeah, they expect too much. Yeah. Yeah. Was like it's the last time we're gonna see you. We just wanted to play a game. They're like, yeah, but everything had some lesson in it. What was the lesson? So then you have to just make something up. But yeah, I think over time you start realizing like they're learning these reflective practices, and then I don't have to do much by the end of the year. And they sort of at this point have got that it's really about how we interact and treat each other and socialize and like communicate. Like they, because right off the bat they're like, we communicated. I was like, ew. No, no, no. I, I want more. We built a team. Okay. They don't even go there. They, they try to, but I'm like, okay, give me a great example or an example. Can you express how that happened? Yeah. <laughs> Describe to me where. You know, and then they'll they'll we'll get through it. But I think once they struggle through and, and find a real answer, then they get better and better at like picking out sort of the learning for the day. But again, we're trying to create conversations, which goes back to like, it just looks like it's happening. Right. So that we get used to, like, I don't need to pull out some kind of funny little prop and choose an object that represents how my day was with my partner at home to reflect, you know, on those things. Like, that's not going to happen. I mean, it might, but not really. Right. I want people to like eventually develop the skills to communicate about their day. 
and they might use other things to kind of get there to process their day. But in terms of like in the classroom, we're really trying to teach conversation skills. And so how do we reflect, 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 just do that conversation and not always sort of needing like, oh, I don't have my, my prompts, my little bag of stuff. The props, props. the props, the props and the prompts, the prompts. The goal is to move away from, I have this specific thing that I need to grab right. to get there. To it being more of that unstructured, like the group can get themselves. And we use a lot of, again, we go back to like, we use a lot of techniques with, in the program to, to process. And then now we're, we're talking about reflection and processing. Yeah. Or just have conversation that allows some good prompts. You know, switch seats is one we use all the time. Switch seats if, and we start off silly, like if, you know balloons kind of freak you out and like people move and they're like other people are like what why do balloons they're just balloons and then people are like ah they're like me they're like they're sticky loud, they they like static they pop other people are like i love balloons they're pretty and they're color you know and then we might go to like if you you know switch seats if you have ever done something in your life that you instantly regretted switch seats if you've ever not apologized for something that you later thought you should have apologized for and then we can have what's hard about apologizing like really what's hard about it Right, so we'll do those things. We do stuff of like this or that where it's like, okay, and I'll point to one side of the room and be like, on this side of the room, if you prefer the warmer summer months or if you would rather, right, be in the winter colder months. And so people split and then we can get, so let's hear some like reasons why, what's great about these, what's not great about them. Or agree, disagree, this for like take a stand kind of things. And they, we use these tools all the time and it just creates conversation. Or just raise your hand. We use like nonverbal things. So we get like 100% participation in people sharing where they stand. They might not just dive into the argument all the time. So it kind of like feels natural. It's a conversation skill, but it still has a prompt and an area to go to. Students love to ask questions as well serious ones and silly ones but again trying to use those like easier prompts like you can do that anywhere and it just kind of creates like oh we're just having this conversation the processing has looked different from when i first started out and it was like always oh, at the end whatever happens is what we're going to talk about which is a lot to try to do and you're like really new to these games and activities and your bag of tricks is pretty small and like your processing bag of tricks is even smaller and i mean if a group's coming in with desired outcomes make those the framing and what you're going to talk about 100 percent, yeah but it took me forever to learn that <laughs> i didn't yeah. become a trainer and then work with all these really talented people and co-leading with them to be like oh yeah i think there's a thought that like you shouldn't be that yeah trans like Directive. Direct about it. You shouldn't be like, you told me you want this, so that's all we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah I, there was one point where I was doing a training and the, and the group was telling me that I was flagging, that I was like, which is like when you're telling people like, today you learned this. And it's like, no, it's still open to like outcomes. I'm just asking them to think about some things. But if they go in a different place, great, we're going there. I'm never saying today you learned that communication, you know, it's not like the end of a cartoon from the 80s. It's, it's what they learned is what they learned. I'm just trying to provide some direction and I'd like you to think about what is the sort of effect of when we raise our tones or how do we recognize frustration when we're working on something that's challenging? Does it help us or does it get in the way and hold us back? And then there is something I can come back and say like, do you remember what I asked you to like pay attention to? Yeah, what's happening right now? We're yelling at each other. Is that helping or, you know? 
yeah, I don't know how to close out groups very well. I just kind of be like, thanks for coming. Bye. One of my, we do in the classroom a lot. It, like some years we do it more than others. But Jim used to like at the end of a, Jim Grout at the end of workshops, when I'd be working with him or programs that we were running together, he would be like, hey, you got, everybody worked really hard today. He's like, just look across the circle at somebody, give them the sort of point and the nod and say, hey, nice job. And then everybody would start, hey, nice job. And he keep it to everybody just kind of, and the energy gets carried. And I've always appreciated that. It sort of feels, and then it almost becomes like, it's a routine thing we do. It's like kids are starting to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or they just know it's the end of the show, right? Like, it's the end of the session. Just just look across, and you know what to say, and the kid's like, nice job. Hey, nice job. I think that's a by, uh, not a byproduct, but I think there's a, our classes are often short as we run out of time, so I'm glad we reflect, like, throughout the whole process. Yeah. It's like, especially with the middle school. You can school. feel really rushed if you leave yeah. it to the end. Yeah. It's really hard to, to be like, oh, we didn't debrief at all, and then you're trying to get the teachers to, and some teachers are great they're like oh no we're going to talk about this for the next week so i know that it's happening but other times it's like yeah so yeah it's helpful if we can pull some of this stuff out what does this tell us about the classroom what can we bring from this experience or so we can get to those places should we do a celebration circle yeah okay okay i had to put my coffee yeah there. that's a great idea i'm holding the mic in one hand so okay. it's gonna be awkward I'll if you're ready that. yeah Woo! Okay, that's uh, the end of the podcast. Nice job, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Vertical Podcast. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. (laughs)